This episode is brought to you by Never Second. Never Second is a system of fueling products formulated specifically for endurance athletes that provides a blueprint for success by allowing the athletes to test, optimize, and perfect their fueling and hydration. They take the guesswork out of performance fueling. I personally use Never Second on all of my training runs and my races, and I have no GI issues, and you know exactly how many carbohydrates you're taking in based on the names of the products themselves. If you want to try Never Second out, go ahead and use code SUBHUB25 to get 25% off of your purchase. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the SubHub Podcast. I'm MK Sullivan. And I'm Danny Moreno. And today uh, we are going to be chatting with Karina Carsolio, who is a runner based out of Mexico. But before that, uh, just wanted to do a quick recap of what happened this past weekend and the things that are coming up. Uh, so if you haven't already, please check out all the great content that NK uh, pumped out during Mammoth Trail Fest week. Uh, it's on our Instagram. Also, thanks to everyone who is now following our Instagram, you know, share, comment. Um, we're loving getting more followers on there since that usually lets you know when we're dropping a new episode or if we're at a race uh we're getting interviews and stuff like that um but for me personally i'm sure it was the same for you mk but the whole weekend was just super fun i, I had to leave early and i i was sad to leave which makes me you know it, it's a good feeling to feel like that and i was just taken aback that it's its second year and i think there was already like 1500 runners at through the various races yeah, I think he said something like just over 14,000 people finished, which is insane. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, it was just a party. Tim puts on a great event. And so if you are looking for a race in the end of September next year, hit up Mammoth Trail Fest. It's a it's a wonderful time with lots of donuts, lots of really encouraging aid stations. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and um, plenty of beer. Yes, yes, definitely. Plenty of beer. There's a beer mile uh, at, at the end of... It was an unofficial official fourth event uh, of the <laughs> festival weekend. Um, well, also there's a kids race, so maybe there's five events. Yeah. But yeah, super fun race. Uh, so check out that content. Mountain Outpost did a great job uh, and they did a collaboration with Run Free Trail and, and MK got to do a lot of commentating there. So that was super fun. Um, with that being said, Mammoth Trail Fest was the last stage of the Golden Trail World Series uh, for this year. This year, there were six races. And so with that, the, the standings are finalized and the top 30 are now invited to the final. So we now are officially in championship season, which is very exciting for all those athletes who have put so much time and effort into committing to one series. You see some athletes dabbling in, in multiple series. Uh, this is their their time to shine and hopefully solidify those final standings. Uh, there's a couple more handful or there's a handful more races, too, for those trying to qualify for the UTMB races. If you don't know already, uh, if you aren't already qualified, you have until December 31st. Uh, to try and get an auto qualifier. You could still be collecting stones for the lottery, but those races that are part of like the main series of UTMB where you place top three in the 50K, 100K, or 100 mile distance, uh, there's a handful of those left, including uh, Kodiak in North America as well as uh, Puerto Vallarta. So we'll be covering those as well. But as far as these finals go, 
Uh, October is a super, super fun month. Uh, October 13th to 15th is the Valsir Mountain Cup final. It's a series of three races, uphill classic and a long trail, right? Uh, Which kind of mimics uh, the world championship as well. Uh, kind of format and then uh, the week after that is the golden trail world series we'll be pumping out some mini sods interviewing the athletes who have a potential to win there that is october 19th or the weekend of october 19th because there's a prelude and then the week after <laughs> we have the sky masters uh, at limon extreme and that is on october 28th so yeah that's gonna be a, a wild month. month. <laughs> wild month. Um, so to kick us off with kind of getting amped and excited for these final races, uh, we have an interview with Karina. So if you want to interview Karina or <laughs> introduce <laughs> Karina MK. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So Karina Carsolio is a professional mountain athlete for Black Diamond. She's based out of the Valle, Valle de Bravo in Mexico. Um, she represented Mexico at this world's this year's world championship. And she is well known for her ability to navigate the gnarliest technical terrain. Um, she's currently ranked fourth in the Skyrunning World Series. She has participated in both Golden Trail and Skyrunning um, over the years. And so we actually talked to her a little bit about comparing the two as well. Um, she has been third at Dolomiths twice now, once in 2021 and 2023, and most recently won the Schlegas 3000 Sky Race. Um, Karina is also a doctor and works in herbal and nutritional gynecology and is very passionate about women's health and menstruation and running. We had a fantastic conversation with her about that, that I hope you guys enjoy. And, um, we chat with her. She will be competing at the Sky Masters in Limon Sul Garda, and we are just excited to see how she does. The Sky Masters is the season finale and it awards twice as many points as the rest of the races in the series. So, Make sure you're paying attention to all of that. And we kind of go through it with her uh, to get a little bit more clarification as well. So enjoy our conversation with Karina. Hey, Karina. Thanks so much for joining us. How are you doing today? Hey, Danny. Thanks for having me. I'm doing great. How are you guys? We're doing good. We are good. (laughs) A little tired from the weekend, (laughs) but we're excited to be chatting with you today. Yeah. I'm very excited too. Yeah. (laughs) Where uh, can we start with where you're located right now? Sure. Well, I'm from Mexico, and right now I'm living in the town where I grew up, which is called Valle de Bravo. It's like uh, two hours west from Mexico City. That's awesome. And so have you always lived in Mexico? I know you were born there. I know you live there now, but didn't you live somewhere else in the middle as well? Yeah, I, well, since I, this is like, it's a small town where I grew up, and I kind of grew up with the same people for all of my childhood and I was looking like I needed something different. So I have two uncles that live in Canada in Calgary. So I went to live with them for high school. So I started high school in Calgary. That's cool. How was, how was, how did that conversation come about? Because I know when I was a high schooler, I was, I had no thoughts of, I need to go somewhere else. <laughs> for <high school. laughs> Well, I guess, I've always been like really rebellious and like have a lot of energy and my my parents were like this town's too small for you right now but I also hate the city so I didn't want to go and live in a huge city 
And I had a really close relationship with one of my uncles that lives there. And he told me to just go live with him. And um, yeah, so it was perfect because Calgary is like not such a huge city and has beautiful natural areas surrounding it. So it was a good option for me. That's awesome. So can you start by telling us a little bit about your sport background? Um, I imagine you haven't always been a trail runner your whole life. So <sighs> let's uh, maybe give the listeners like an idea of what you started with. Sure. Well, um, my parents are both mountaineers. My dad was uh, is the third youngest to climb the 18, uh, the 14 8,000ers. And my mom's the first Latin American woman to climb Everest. And so I was kind of born into this nest of uh, mountain people. Um, I grew up in like in the forest and surrounded by very sporty people. And I grew up watching them like train a lot because they, they didn't really have like this training background. They would just like train for six hours straight. And I'm not sure it really worked, but like I grew up watching that and um, they would take me out uh, in the forest all day. Like uh, for me, it was just a lifestyle to be out uh, walking, hiking a lot in the mountains. And well, when you're a kid, you just run everywhere. So um, since I was little, I, I guess I've been trail running without knowing I was trail running. And um, I've like every kid, I had a lot of energy, but uh, I was very lucky to have parents that uh, gave me an opportunity to put that energy into sports. So I did a lot of sports growing up. And then when I went to Calgary, I played field hockey there. And I loved field hockey, uh, uh, but when I came back to Mexico, there's, it does not exist. So uh, I, as a way of just like doing something about my energy, I just started running in the mountains close to home. And then one day my, my brother, he was actually the one who was starting to compete in trail running and sky running races. And he told me, hey, you should come one day. I think you would like it. And I did. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. You're, how old were you when that happened? Um, I was 19 when I went to like my first trail running race. Yeah. You are the third woman that we've interviewed um, in the last like four months that has a background in field hockey. You, Ninke, and Tony. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> I think Katie Shy too. Uh, we haven't interviewed her, but I saw her comment on one of our things with Tony. Um yeah, I don't think that's just coincidence. That's crazy. Wait, so <laughs> when you're in Calgary, this is in high school, you're playing field hockey. Calgary is pretty close to Banff as well. Yeah. It's just to the east of it. Um, did you ever go and venture over there and like run and hike and stuff? Yeah, I did. Uh, during the winter, I used to go skiing there quite a bit with my uncle. And in the summer, I would do more mountain biking. Here, I grew up doing a lot of mountain biking, uh, not much running. And so that's what I did more, mostly in dance. Yeah. So have you been competing in sky running um, since you were 19 pretty consistently then? Mm, not really, because I like my first race, it was at the same time that I got into med school. And um here in Mexico, well, in most places, but I feel like it was a lot for me. I had to go, I had to live in Mexico City, which was huge for me. Like I had never been more than two days in Mexico City before in my life. 
and it was just insane. You know, there's 20 million people living there, and it was just like coming from a small town in the middle of nature and just being surrounded by concrete noise and cars, and it was just like brutal for me. And um, with the amount of studying that you have to do and moving to the hospital and such, I I wasn't really training or had time to run races, so. Like I did it, but not in a very like professional way. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's super interesting that you were experiencing your first sky running race. And so you were going to, and then I just want to make sure this is correct in my brain. You were going to med school at 19. Yeah. Here in Mexico, it's different. (laughs) Like I I think in the U S and in Canada, you have to do like a, like a degree before med school, right? Like something like biology or biochem or something like this. And then you do med school, uh, here you can go like straight from high school into med school and it's seven and a half years of, um, of medicine. I'm just like for a general physician and then you can do like a specialty. Right. Um, so that's why, like, it was a young age to start med school because you can, you don't have to study like a, a degree before that. Yeah, I know a lot of friends that would probably appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. seriously. <laughs> <laughs> and so when did you graduate from med school then? Three years ago. Okay. And then did you decide to do a specialty or were you kind of like, I'm tired of living in the city. Like I want to move back home. And then you decided to become a professional trail runner, like run us through that timeline. Yeah. It's mostly like the second one. (laughs) So I was sick and tired of the city and uh, I, I didn't want to, like, I told to myself, okay, I'm going to give it like one whole year of just running and experiencing what that's like, because that's something I really wanted in my life. I, at, at the end here in Mexico, the way it works with med school, it's that your last year, you do like your social service and you have to go into a very small clinic in the middle of nowhere. And you're like the doctor of that small town. And uh, so I chose this beautiful place in, in um, close to the mountains, but that's all, it also has a very strong community of midwives. And that's why I chose this particular place because I was working with the, the midwives once I was done with the, like working at the clinic I was at. And that's how I started working a lot more with women and like um, gynecology. And because these midwives have a lot, a lot of knowledge on herbal medicine and also like uh, uh, labor, like in a more natural way. Um, and I kind of decided like, okay, this is great, but I'm also running a lot more. And um, I think I want to give it a try to like do more running. And that's the first time ever, like when I, once I was done med school that I got a coach and yeah, I just started training with him. And I, I was going to go like actually to the Azores championship that was 2020, but COVID and such. So it just, now I'm, like three years into my one-year plan of just running. (laughs) Yeah, I have to imagine during that time, did you feel torn at any point while you're in med school thinking maybe I should 
you know, just go and do running and come back to this? Or did you feel pretty settled and you're like, no, I'm going to finish this all the way through and then I'll do running afterwards? Oh, no, I was doubting myself every day. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, especially because living in the city for me was so difficult and being surrounded by people uh, with whom I didn't really share the same kind of lifestyle or ideas, like uh, people that were studying med school in, in med school with me, um, they, you know, they weren't very sporty. They didn't come from a uh, place uh, where they had been in contact with nature. Mostly, most of them had been living in the city their whole lives. So I didn't really have much friends and yeah, they, they all were like, oh, this hippie girl that studying medicine, you know, <laughs> like, um, so, but I, I actually managed to, um, my dad um, gave me a pair of rollerblades and I would rollerblade from my home to the hospital and to the clinics I was working at. And it, it like, it kind of turned the city into this like PlayStation kind of thing, you know, <laughs> So it was fun to move in between the cars with the rollerblades and just, yeah. <laughs> There's this uh, movie called Brink. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but I fully imagine you just taking on that persona, just like jumping stairs, taking rails, like somehow delivering pizza within like five minutes. And <laughs> that probably wasn't the case, but just knowing how amazing you are downhill, I have no doubt that like added another layer of fun to it. Uh, yeah, I think that actually helped my downhill skills because honestly, now that I think back on the stuff that I was doing when I was rollerblading, I'm like, oh my God, I, I'm so glad I didn't kill myself. <laughs> And for you to yeah. say that, that's you must have been doing some insane stuff. Yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> it was fun though. Rollerblading is life for sure. So we'll get to training later. I'm like so curious about just your medicine side of things. I know Danny, you and Danny have talked about this a bit uh, when you guys were staying together for Skyrun, but tell us a little bit about La Atleta Integral and um, how that started and what exactly it is. Sure. Well, uh, like I was telling you, I I started working with women during med school. I was doing like uh, at the same time that med school, I was studying with a bunch of midwives. I went to Peru for two months to study with a midwife there. And I just fell in love with this path of like working with women. And then then I was also like giving a shot at being at an athlete. So I started uh, talking with a bunch of athletes here in Mexico that are m mostly mountain bike athletes. And they were asking me about their periods and how they were not getting them. And I was like, okay, that's not normal. You know, that's not healthy. So I started researching a lot about that and just um, uh, stumbled into the whole research that Stacey Sims has been doing. And I ended up like taking her course and then talking with her about um, like she would send me a bunch of extra papers because her course is pretty like it's not basic, but it's for like people that have not studied medicine. So I was I wanted more, you know, like more scientific uh, research. So I, I started reading a lot, a lot, a lot about that and also talking with my coach about that um, because he, he also studied medicine. He's a sports uh, medicine. Uh, he said like the specialty he did was in sports med. And um, so we ended up like having these med medical conversations about the whole theme. And um, 
I decided, well, maybe this is information that I could share. So it was COVID and this whole Zoom thing has had been like growing. So I decided to do this online course for women uh, about about that, about periods and uh, like healthy periods and being an athlete and how it like dif- the different effects it has on the body depending on the space that you're in and such. Yeah, I, you know, just our short time in, in Skyrun, I was sharing with MK and it was just so cool. I felt like I was on like a women's retreat with you, <laughs> with, <laughs> with great food and conversation. Um, it also is something that like I'm passionate about and like admittedly don't, don't always know how to like touch upon the subject and stuff because you know, for so many years, it kind of was taboo for, you know, numerous reasons. And I feel that uh, professional athletes, elite athletes are getting better about like sharing their stories, etc. And so people can self identify. Um, Personally, for you, what do you think we can do better? Because trail running is growing so fast. Um, And, you know, I feel like we can potentially still get ahead of, you know, uh, that being such a systemic problem in the sport. What do you think we can do better for our sport to make sure that women have healthy menstruation or educated about it? Well, I think we need to get a lot more of a community involved. And by that, I mean, like, um, like the brands that are behind the events. And the brands that are also promoting the the like trail running, I think they should, um, you know, the best tool is always information. So um, I, it's it's painful for me to see that a lot of the brands are not giving enough information about this, even though there has been like a huge effort on this. By this, I mean like, you know, I was doing this uh, documentary. Uh, like this short film about red S and like so relative energy deficiency in sports and uh, healthy periods and like also unhealthy periods. I mean, I talked with you about this, Danny. You were about you were gonna go be in the film too, and yeah, I was in it. The whole, so yeah, yeah, you were in it, and like uh, the whole idea came about when I was working with one uh, an athlete that she hadn't had her period in four years, and we started working together. And she she got her period after we started working together, and like it was a follow up of her story with a bunch of different stories of a lot of women, and uh, then nothing happened. You know, the whole film was made, like a lot of resources were put into making this film and then it didn't come out. And it's not the only story I've heard, you know, you've probably seen Meg McKenzie's uh, post that the same happened to her. And I'm like, what the hell, guys? Like, you're doing all of this film and then... It, nothing goes through and it's like oh yeah I, we don't think the public will be interested or like oh no the brands are now different brands so uh, it's not going to work and it's like this whole mentality of okay love of money you know like if there's uh, like because they told me no we're not using it anymore because you ch- switched brands Danny switched brands and the whole a lot of different athletes that were in it switched brands so now it's not useful I'm like what that doesn't matter like the information is what's valid so I feel like brands need to, it's difficult, but they need to put aside this part of like monetizing everything. Like you don't want to monetize such an important subject as health. 
and uh, just like actually put the information out there, you know, uh, in an easy and understandable, but also like uh, appropriate way of communicating to women. Yeah. I'm just now remembering this film that you're talking about that you were putting together because I was with Danny last year when you were talking like with her about it. And I was wondering what had ever happened to it, but now, now I know. And that's yeah. so unfortunate because yeah, we yeah. know the same thing happened to Meg and Fanny with their film that they did with North Face. And like, you're right, that information definitely needs to be out there because even in the track and field world where it's been happening for years on like a systemic level, there's still not enough information or yeah. or support to help women get, and even men get through these issues. Yeah, yeah. it just made me think maybe we should just get it crowdsourced. <laughs> That's wild. I mean, <laughs> it's, all, yeah, it's all hitting me again because I Meg was here for around winter time, beginning of this year, and she mentioned she was working on a film, and I was like, oh, we, I, I'm also in a film. That's awesome. <laughs> it wasn't like, oh, there's going to be two films. I'm like, That's great. We need like 10 yeah. or 20 of these films just so it can like spread out as much as possible and have all these you know, tremendous athletes who have lived in experience and it's vulnerable. I don't know during your conversations, Karina, but like mine, I got a little emotional because it's still, it's still in there from like that little younger Danny's experience, but it needs, it needs to be shared. Um, but yes, glad, (laughs) glad (laughs) you share that passion, uh, with us as well. Um, should we transition to training? I feel like we could talk a whole episode. I know. <laughs> yeah, we probably should though. Okay. Um, um, well, you mentioned that, um, what's it called? You got a coach when you started sky running. And I don't know, personally for me, I've done some sky races, maybe only one that's like, I would say a true sky race. So how was that conversation with your coach of, Hey, can you train me for (laughs) scrambling and descending down (laughs) these treacherous mountains where there's sometimes chains because yeah. Yeah. How did that conversation, what that selection look like? Well, actually it's been interesting with my coach because he wants me to do more golden trail, you know? Uh, he's more into trail running than sky running. He doesn't really understand why I want to put my life in danger like that. <laughs> but uh, I guess like, I just kind of like, I'm, I'm not as happy when I'm doing gold, like trail running as when I'm doing sky running. So I, he just realized that, you know, for me, it's more important to keep enjoying what I love doing. And um I, I was the one who ended up like switching. So he would like upload a training on training peaks and like have, I don't know, put sometimes like three hours walking and I would just go scrambling, you know, <laughs> like, well, I'm still going slow. So it counts as walking. <laughs> and he was like, okay, yeah, sure. So he ended up um, like for this kind of training, I do do like, I spend a lot of times in the mountains. And, but also I started incorporating a lot of strength, uh, exercises, like before I would just do maybe once or twice a week of strength exercises. And when I started focusing more on sky running, I've been doing it like four, sometimes even five times a week, um, like proprioception and strength training. Uh, and I like, I noticed a lot that even if my training is the same, like for trail, like, like uphill repetitions or like flat repetitions or whatever, like the strength training helps me a lot more 
when I'm like on rocks <laughs> and yeah. That. Yeah. You've got some good elasticity and I'm wondering, do you feel like um, the, the strength training helps you more with downhill than it does uphill, or do you feel like it's kind of a mix of both? Um, it's a mix of both, but mo mostly downhill. Like I've, I've seen that before I would end up like, like my quads would explode and the next few days I would be super tired after a sky running race because of the downhills is just so much impact. But after doing so much strength, uh, like I, I can manage the downhills a lot more. And like in the sky running races where there's a lot of downhill and uphill, downhill and uphill, I like, I'm like after even four hours of like doing that, I just still feel, feel like I've got some muscle energy left. <laughs> Yeah, I can imagine not just from because the amount of time that you race is, in my opinion, significantly more than you'll see on 95% of the Golden Trail World Series races. So that coupled with and this is just from watching the videos, but you're almost like doing like hops off of like granite and, and different types. You're like bounding down, which I would imagine feels so much harsher on the quads and golden trail is that safe to assume like with that yeah 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 for sure like like in trail you're like it's the speed and you just have to like um get your legs used to that speed on downhills i'm sure you have to be like technical as well because you're going way faster but here it's like you know one of my favorite trainings that i do it's like running uphill a dry river so you're like literally jumping from rock to rock and um, that's what you're doing in sky running. Like sometimes there's not even like a clear path or trail. You're just following like little orange flags and jumping around rocks. So it's a lot of bouncing and a lot of impact on the on, on the lower back on at, on the core and on the quad. As someone who has like bird angles, I'm wondering, do you tape your ankles like crazy when you run these races or do you just yeah. have like insane proprioception? <laughs> well, I, I get a little bit of both. Like, um, I, I think like that kind of like technical skills, sure you can work them, but I do feel like with a lot, like the same with a lot of sports, but if you start at a, at a younger age, your body has this like muscle memory and the elasticity and also the, the proprioception. So what I've been like doing this whole river thing since I was a kid and jumping around rocks. And, you know, I told you guys, my parents are mountaineers, so I would do a lot of rock climbing. So I also have that. Um, I still do like a lot of proprioception, uh, uh, like at home. Uh, and, but I, yes, I do tape my ankles like crazy. <laughs> <laughs> That makes me feel better. I have yeah. to take my ankles for like every race, no matter how technical. <laughs> Even the road races, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, for our for our listeners, when you say proprioception in but in this regard, like to sky running, like what does that category of work look like? Um, well, I I do a lot like when I'm at home, I do I have, you know, the boat the bossu, the little ball that on the that has a flat part. So I do like, I put like a circuit of like the boss boss and different balls and I jump around on those. And yeah. Um, yeah. I do a lot of like side jumps or different kinds of all, all kinds of jumps. Um, I, I also find like some rocks that I can like jump around on and just getting used to that, the muscles 
of doing that because that's what I'm doing like for six hours, right? That's so cool. I'm sure like a, a lot of the internet has seen this video that Killian Jornet put up a long time ago where he's like jumping on the outside of his ankles like oh. as hard as he can. You don't do that, right? No, that, that I watched that. I was, yeah, it freaked me out too. I was like, why? <laughs> yeah, no, I do do a lot of like ankle step stabilization, like exercises, just like uh, on like the ball suit that moves around, but not jumping on my ankles like that. <laughs> well, your training sounds super fun. That's for sure. <laughs> Um, Welcome to do it anytime. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so as someone who I honestly think there's a very small percentage of athletes like yourself who have competed at a high level in both Golden Trail and Sky Running, um, having an experience in both of those series, how, what would you say are like the main identifying core values maybe of each series that kind of like stands out to you if you were to like sum them up hmm. well I think golden trail is moving in this direction kind of like you know the mountain biking community that it's doing like the circuit and this big final and like point system and I feel like golden trail um spends a lot on uh of its budget on having like an amazing field of athletes and um that's super cool to see like this year the top 20 is like really difficult to get in right so that's that's really cool to see but they they don't invest much from my point of view like they don't invest much time in making sure it's like um like the course is like this great uh course sometimes like it's just like okay let's just get the top like an amazing field and whichever race works will do the job right um whereas um uh, uh, in sky running i feel like they spend a lot more on making sure the course is like beautiful like even if you just have five or ten top like elite athletes um like whole course like even if you just go and walk it like it's mesmerizing seriously it's beautiful to do the course so um i think and also sky running is even smaller community than trail running so you just end up like being this huge family with the organization and with the with the the, the athletes and the cameraman and the camera crew and so um it's like it feels like it was road trip of athletes that want to be together you know yeah. My next question was going to be, what is the culture like at sky running races as opposed to golden trail? But it feels like you kind of already answered that, but if you have <laughs> anything else to add, <laughs> please do. Um, I do feel like sky running. Um, it's more like people who like to spend a lot of time in the mountains and decided to race. <laughs> Whereas uh golden trail feels a little bit more like professional in a way of like more serious athletes um um i mean we still have fun right you were saying that you after this mammoth trail fest you were doing this beer chugging race so <laughs> like <laughs> like it's still i i feel like it's still a little bit more lighthearted than other sports um but yeah um i just feel like people who have spent so many 
time, hours in the mountains have a different kind of approach to the sport. Um, and in trail running, it's, it's like, it's a little bit more serious, I feel, even if it's still really friendly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I can definitely see that. And for listeners who don't really know, um, I guess, much about sky running, a lot of the races that Karina does are very similar in distance to Golden Trail races, but they have a lot more elevation gain, a lot more technical terrain. So they end up taking like six plus hours. So she's like truly spending a ton of time just like outside in the mountains. It's a very different game than trail running. Yeah, I, I sometimes tell people that I feel like the same step, like, you know, from road running to trail running, it's almost the same from trail running to sky running. Like it's, it's, yes, you're running. Yes. You're moving with your two feet, but it's like, it's really different skills that you need and nutrition wise, it's also different. And um, yeah, like it's, it's a different, it's all of the different sport. I would, I would say. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree with that. <laughs> For, when you say nutrition, my gut goes to like, do you start to consider including like more fats and stuff because you're out there longer? Or is it just that you're consuming more in general? Um, sometimes like when it's more than six hours, I do start uh, not fats, but more a little bit of protein or BCAs, you know. So um, yeah, and also, also it's harder like you have very little aid stations compared to Golden Trail because it's hard for the organization to get food up to the mountains, you know. I mean, there's like, there's no trails going up the mountains sometimes. So people or, or the helicopters getting them up the mountains. Um, so like in the last trail race, in the last sky running race I did, which was the Sermat, the Matterhorn one, um, it was 25k and there were two aid stations and it was it took me like five hours to finish the race so it's two aid stations in five hours so you have to carry a lot with you and on, like in golden trail they've been incorporating the system that i i think it's super cool where uh you give them your your, the food that you will need, the fuel that you will need, and they will have it for you at every aid station. Um, so you kind of have like this personalized uh, aid station. But in sky running, they can't do that. <laughs> and so you just kind of have to like figure out for yourself and you end up carrying a lot more on your vest than you're probably used to. Yeah. And you're also probably almost always bringing poles, I imagine, as well. I'm not more much of a pole fan because okay. um, I also, also because you have to use your hands a lot. There's a, sometimes a lot of scrambling or chains and, and such. So you have to like be putting uh, like take all out and and back in your poles. So I, I feel like for me, it doesn't really work. But a lot of girls do use them like in the uphills. Yeah. Yeah, I feel I like feel I would like, also just break them because there's so many rocks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or like hit something. Yeah, yeah, I feel that when I see the aid station people, they almost look like they're search and rescue <laughs> aid station because <laughs> they're always in like orange or bright yellow. Yeah, and uh, it's just like we're just here if you know shit goes bad. <laughs> um, yeah. No, but it, it looks incredible. Um, just a couple more notes on, on the sky running circuit. If you were to, you know try and pitch, you know, to someone like MK and I, who are very much nestled 
in the trail running world, but are intrigued by the sky running world, how would, how would you get an athlete like ourselves or just the masses to, to want to try sky running? It's, it's seriously like so much fun. Like from the beginning to the end, like previous and after the race, it's just a beautiful community. And um, I mean, we're all, we're all friends, like, and the sky running, like the whole course, it's, it's very well organized too. So you always feel safe, even if you're in the middle of a, like this huge couloir, <laughs> but like they make sure they, there's a lot of safety. You're always like, even if you're hours in the mountains, there's always people like what you said, Danny, like this people with the bright uh, vests and taking care of you. And they put ropes uh, like whenever there's it's necessary, like it's really safe. So I feel like it's a great way of approaching mountaineering without like actually having to be like climbing hard stuff or like taking your, your, your ice axe or like crampons, you know, like it's a beautiful way of being hours in the mountains, feeling safe and also going fast and competing with amazing people. So, uh, and the views are just like, like no matter if you're like cramping, you're still looking at beautiful mountains all the time. So I, I actually think um, like maybe don't start like with a super technical one, but like uh, something that's more runnable, but fun. Like the one I did in Austria, the Schliegeis one, that's a beautiful, beautiful course. Like I think any trail running athlete would enjoy a lot. Yeah. yeah. And you just, we, you just won that race as well, right? Yeah, I did. It was it was quite a surprise to to <laughs> actually be in front of Clementine. I was like, okay, something's going on. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, I, I, that, I mean, yeah, that was a huge win, and yeah, not surprising congrats. to see you up there. Um, just you. one last question on the series, and then we want to ask you about like Mexico and the trail running culture there uh, before finally transitioning to what is currently happening in the sky running series. But if you were to recommend, you just mentioned the one in Austria, like a couple of entry level sky running races for people to consider if they they want to dip their toes in the water. Mm, yeah, well, I think Dolomites, which is a golden trail, is not sky running, but like it is a sky running race, right? So sky running is anything in Europe that's above 2000 meters above the sea level. So it's like, what, 13,000 feet? Something like that? 2000 would be above seven, almost. Okay. Yeah, As, yeah, above 7000 feet. Okay, so um, that's like in Europe, that's considered sky running, and that you'd have to have like a lot of elevation gain. And at least 70% has to be uh, either on trail or off trail. So not road or like big um, paths. And so I feel like Dolomites is a great approach because most of the uphill, it's not technical. Like you can run a bit and then you have like this technical part, which is really, really fun, but it's short. So I feel like it could be a great approach to it. Also, um, that, this one that I just told you in Austria, um, because it's not, it doesn't have a lot of chains and stuff. It's just like granite, like huge granite blocks. So you can safely jump around on them and they don't move around as much. So it's a nice little taste of it. Um, yeah. And from the ones I've done, um, uh, for like a little taste that like the one in Stranda 
in Norway, that one was fun too, because it's not super, super technical, but it gives you a good taste of it. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So the not rocks moving. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's yeah, like my stable. least favorite you thing. Jump on them. <laughs> oh man. Well, so I know that you have been very vocal about how kind of Eurocentric um, trail and mountain running can be, and as we know how Eurocentric it can be. Um, and you were born and raised in Mexico, and I am, we're just curious, like, tell us a little bit about the running culture in Mexico. Is it new? Is it growing? What's the race scene like? Yeah, well, it's not new. Like, uh, you know, it started growing a lot when Ricardo Mejia, uh, he is a, a runner from a place that's called Oaxaca here in Mexico. He started like he was a sky running world champion uh, three years and he actually won Sierra Sinal uh, four times. So he was like before Killian Jornad, he was the one who had like the most amount of uh, wins in that race. Uh, to this day, he still has the record of Sion Dixien and like he has a bunch of like his curriculum is huge. So I feel like he was the one who kind of like started to um, to make sure that the world was like, okay, maybe there's something outside of Europe, you know? And uh, since then, there's a lot, there's been a lot of athletes that are really strong here in Mexico. And, um, but it's just hard to get out. Like, I mean, even for Europeans or from, for people in the US, like it's still a small sport and to get sponsorship for it and to live off of the sport, it's still like not a reality for most athletes. You know, because there's still not much money in it to support so many athletes compared to like other sports. But here in Mexico, it's even like harder because mo most brands like when I was looking for a sponsorship before Black Diamond, I like literally a lot of the brands told me, oh, we're not interested in Latin America. So no, thank you. So it's hard to get a sponsorship. And I was like, you do know I'm going to be racing in Europe. Like, <laughs> but they're like, they don't, I don't know what, 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 what goes on, but that was literally their answer. And well, if there's no money getting out to compete is hard. So for me, it was kind of like, you know, this really small path that I had to dig to go to Dolomites and get a get a good result there and then like everything I like I've been paying for my my traveling for myself before being with Black Diamond and I feel like I'm very lucky and privileged to have been able to do so because of my work but uh here like it's still a, like what we call a developing country so a lot of the basic needs are not met like we still have a lot of like diseases that in most places in the, uh, like in Europe, they have been gone for years, right? And there's still a lot of poverty. And so if th those basic needs are not met, like why would people be interested in spending money in sports, right? Um, even though there's some amazingly strong people because of that, they move like sometimes people, most, a, a lot of the communities here don't have cars and they go to their schools, like walking through the mountains, and you see this amazingly strong kids and you're like, oh my God, you would be such an amazing athlete, but there's no resources for it, right? So um, the community is definitely growing. There's a lot of um, programs to help out these kids and like maybe introduce them to racing and such. But I feel like there's still a long way to go. 
because it's parallel to like the socioeconomical side of the country. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm curious and I hate to even like, like prop up UTMB because I don't think that that's something that (laughs) should happen. Um, But do you think that with the addition of like series like UTMB bringing races into um, South America, Mexico, and kind of using those as ways to get into UTMB will help get people into the sport, like make it a little bit more accessible? Or do you think that that's not what's needed? Um, I don't know how it's in the rest of the world, but the UTMB course that exists here in Mexico does not help out. Like, like even like for me, they were like, oh, we'll give you a number, bib, And that's it. Like they wouldn't help out with like travel expenses or anything else. And like, even if like for me that I have a sponsorship and a job, like it's still like, uh, maybe I won't because it's a lot of expenses to go there. Like I imagine these communities that have like have to invest a lot just to get out of the community. I don't see them going to this race where they would have to pay for the bid, pay for ACOM, travel expenses, and then pay for like, even if they got like a first place, they would have to pay for the expenses to go to Europe and all of that. So I, I just don't think that's like realistic, you know? Yeah. And I imagine that the places that they're holding these races in anyhow are probably kind of expensive to stay in. So even if you can get there, it's like trying to find a place to stay is probably a bit of an issue as well. Yeah. Like, honestly, I feel like it's a sport that's still just for like a socioeconomical, like um, part of a society that's here in Mexico, it's at least a, a small percentage. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's super fascinating. It would be cool if they could implement some sort of local program that wherever they put a race, because that is impacting those communities in some in various ways. Um, if they're like, hey, we're gonna give out set fifty free bibs and travel to you know people that are in the area, and hopefully, maybe the race could pick too. That would be most ideal because they are more um, interested in or have more education on, on the runners in the area. Uh, just out of curiosity as someone who I've only raced in Mexico once and it was just such an incredible experience. I loved it. It's like top five, one of my favorite races. Um, mm. What are some of your, your races that you would recommend for people to check out uh, to, to go and, and see the culture there? For sure. Yeah. That's um for sure, for sure. There's this one race called Desafio um, en las Nubes, which translates to like um, challenge in the middle of the clouds. And it's kind of like, like it's a technical course, but also running. So like, if you're interested in something more technical, it's super fun. But what makes it very, very special is what you just said, Danny. Like um, the organizer of the race makes sure to involve the community. So it's, it's, takes place in this small community that's called Jicotepec de Juarez. And um, it's a community that's dedicated to um, the co- like coffee and ginger. Um, so their whole mountains are filled with coffee and ginger production. And they, there's, they have a lot of different trails because they move around with their donkeys uh, collecting coffee and ginger. And um, the organiza- organizer, like, made sure the community was the one who like um, made the event special. So 
they give out coffee and ginger and the trails are beautiful, beautiful. Like there's waterfalls everywhere. It's kind of jungly, kind of like Jurassic Park themed. <laughs> and um, you're in the middle of the clouds. Like it's this place that has a lot of love, humidity. Uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful course. And the whole communities, like the different communities that live around where the, the race takes part, come come out of the streets and just cheer you on so much and filled with children. And the impact that this race has had on the communities is just like, like it fills me with hope because now that there's like this group of women, like what, not even women, like kids, like they're 12, 13, 14 year old girls that um, just decided that they're, we're going to form a group and go train in the mountains together. And it's so, so beautiful to see that. And there's been a lot more of like um, healthy tourism, like sport tourism t going on that place. So, and it's super well organized. It's like, yeah, one of the most beautiful courses I've ever done. So that one, it's in February. So it's also a good date for Europeans because if they want to try something that's not, you know, that's trail running um, and not filled with snow. <laughs> um, and another one, it's in June and it's in Oaxaca. So it, it actually, it's actually organized by Ricardo Mejia, the one I told you who won a bunch of uh, sky running races in the past and he he makes sure that it's a party so it's uh it's the same date of uh a regional party like there's a party of the different communities in oaxaca and they all get together and have like this cultural exchange so they have a lot of like um uh artwork and festival festivities going on music and drinks and like it's like it's seriously a party even if you don't <laughs> go and run it you will have a blast and the race is also beautiful and uh very different because it's a kind of desert desert but like also some forest so it's super fun and that's the course that actually if you win it you get a pass to go to Final. so also there's that <laughs> Yeah, mezcal is like my all-time favorite uh, drink, and so that would give me an excuse oh. to go to Oaxaca. <laughs> no, and in that race, if you win, they give you like the best mezcal that oh. I've ever had. <laughs> I gotta go. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. amazing. Oh, well, we will definitely yeah. include those in the show notes and and add it to our stories uh, that you those are coming from you as recommendations. Yeah, I mean, you talking about the coffee and the ginger and those different areas <laughs> and the community getting involved the reason why I loved that Mexico race is like it felt like I was entering a family like the race director's parents were making us food the night before um, and then it was like his brother who drove us to the course to check it out and it was amongst a bunch of agave fields and it just felt so personal so quickly um, so that's that's incredible so th thank you for sharing those yeah I have you. a. You guys are welcome anytime. <laughs> yeah, I'm honestly like I was writing these down as you were yeah. talking about them. <laughs> um, and I just like to kind of expand on the the issue, like the socioeconomic economic issue for a second. It's just like I wonder if there is like a future where kind of like some, like I know Burning Man, for example, does like socioeconomic levels for tickets right like based on your income is how much your ticket is going to be like I wonder if there's a future in trail running where something like that exists because we always say that like oh well running is like the most accessible sport but it's really not especially these days because running shoes are like 180 dollars each and they last like 300 miles like 
if you want to run a race, you have to buy nutrition. And those are like $3 a gel. And you have to have so many of them. It's not that accessible of a, of a sport. And so in a country, in a country like Mexico, I, I imagine like, if you heard somebody say that you would just be like, what a joke. Like, don't even tell me that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I feel like that would be beautiful what you just said and comes to my mind like this, um, this course that I just took, uh, it's, it's not, it has nothing to do with trail running, but the way of, uh, paying for the course, they have this huge outline. That's like, if you are from like Europe or the U S and then they have like a different, like, like outlines, like if you, if you're a stay at home, mom if you like you know like and there's different prices for each uh individual answer and then it's like if you're from africa if you're from asia if you're from latin america and like the same uh, outlines you know if you have a stable job there because like a stable job here gets paid really different than a stable job in europe right so um they have this different system and it's realistic for every person and have the same opportunity to get into this course so I mean it's kind of like utopian to think this I think at this moment but wouldn't that be so beautiful to like have a real community where everyone can be involved and then you would be able to have like you know this uh, people like Quechua people like from Peru in the middle of the Andes come compete and like I'm, I'm sure there's some like really fast and powerful people that are all day moving in the mountains there. And we just will never see them because there's no way they will pay for that. Yeah. I, I appreciate you having this conversation with us. Cause I, yeah, I know that I followed you on Instagram since I missed, or since I met you last year at Mont Blanc marathon. And I know that this is something that's very important to you. So I appreciate it. Thanks for asking. <laughs> Yeah. Well, we have to admit that um, you have been a very highly requested guest for our podcast. Uh, you have many, mm. many fans and uh, you now also, uh, Black Di Diamond is clearly a fan of you because you are now <laughs> partnered with them. And so we are just curious how uh, that relationship began and how stoked are you? I feel like that is such a, a great partnership for you. Thanks. Well, thanks, Danny. I'm very um, humbled by the fact that people have been asking to have me here. Um, uh, well, actually, my relationship with Black Diamond started thanks to my friend Hillary, Hillary Girardi. She's one of the best sky, sky runners in the world. She just recently broke Emily Sportsberg uh, Mont Blanc marathon, Mont Blanc uh, ascent and descent uh, record. Um, and when I went to Europe, she she just super nicely messaged me after Dolomites and said like, hey, let's go run together. And we met and it was like an instant great friendship. We got along on so many things outside of running too. And I was telling her I was, you know, wanting to change brands because I wasn't getting any real support. And she introduced me to Black Diamond and we had this conversation, like two hour conversation. Mostly it wasn't even about running. It was just about who I was, like what, what was like what I wanted to do with my life. And um, we just clicked and it's a brand that uh, it's more mountain brand. Like they don't really have much trail running things yet, 
um, we're working on it. <laughs> but um, what I like about them is that they're really interested about uh, just like making sure the things they design are like hand in hand with the mountains. So like instead of taking from the mountains, like adding something, which is really difficult in this like consume-based society. But uh, we have like um, very like often meetings on equipment and most of the meetings are like, okay, how can we make sure that we have sustainable and good quality clothes? Um, so for me, that's a very important conversation to have. Like if we want to keep doing the sport that we're doing, it takes place in the mountains. So we have to make sure that we're not having like this negative impact on them. And part of our, our clothes and gear uh, is a big um, decision uh, to make on how we want to take care of them. Um, and I, I really appreciate that Black Diamonds taking a step towards that. Um, like that's also part of the reason they decided not to do certain things because they were like, you know what? Yes, we want to make shoes, but do the world does the world really need more shoes? No, I don't think so. Okay, let's just focus on backpacks. You know, so uh, I was like, whoa! I cheers for that. You know, for taking that decision. Um, and also, they don't really care if I race. <laughs> They're like, well, if you want to race, do you want to race? <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, cool. Uh, like, if you also want to do like personal projects, that's cool. So. They're very chilled people and they're also mountain people. Like sometimes I even have trouble like getting hold of Adam, which is who's the athlete manager, because he's been like rock climbing all weekend. And so it's cool to be with people that share the same passion. That's awesome. It sounds like, yeah, I agree with Danny. Like, especially knowing that you are the daughter of mountaineers, you're a sky runner, like Black Diamond just seems right up your alley. I love it. Yeah, I'm happy. Thank you. <laughs> so we're going to switch gears a little bit um, to Skyrunning Masters and the end of the Skyrunning season um, before we wrap up here. And so, Danny, do you want to go through the rankings a bit and talk about it with Karina? Yeah. So right now you are fourth. Uh, Iris and Clementine are um, currently tied for first with 280 points. It seems like it's a hundred points for first place, 80 points, and it kind of goes down per each race. Um, Iris, who we both know very well, who has also done many golden trail world series races. And then, uh, Emika Clark, who I believe is Canadian, uh, you've raced her a couple times as well. Uh, so there is one more race before sky masters, which is the Luzanne sky race. And so we were curious if you are going to that or if you're, saving up and going to the final or if you're just ending your season already and you're like you know what? i'm done <laughs> yeah well the points uh in sky running they go um so there's two different kinds of uh races so there's like premier sky race and sky race so premier sky race is a sky race that is really really technical so they've chosen the ones i've done are all premier sky races and then the ones that are just sky races are not as technical so uh, they give more points if it's like the premier than the normal one. And um, uh, yeah, right now, well, like they just take, they also take your best three races. So for me, I also try to take care of my environmental footprint, which is the reason I just took like, I spent like almost three months in Europe instead of going back and forth. Um, 
But so right now I'm not doing the last one, the Luciana one. Um, and well, I'm just waiting for the sky. Like I will go back in October for the for the Limone Sky Sky Masters final. Um, I know it will be very difficult, like like to get first place because of uh, of Clementine and Iris uh, in first place. Like I I think like. Like I don't know, something would have had to have would have to happen for me to get first place because of the point system. Uh, but still, I still want to go. Um, uh, it's it's a beautiful race, Limone. Uh, it's a race that I really really want to go do. So uh, I'm and I'm excited to see everybody there and just finish my season there, no matter what happens with a huge party by the lake. <laughs> <laughs> so. Because even Danny and I, when we tried to explain the way that Skyrunning um, worked at the beginning of the year, like neither of us had participated. So we were even a little confused. So it sounds like, based on what you're talking about with the final, your points still matter in the final. Like it, it's not like you go in ranked, but it's kind of wiped clean. And then you guys just race in a final race. Like that final counts towards the points that you already have. Yeah. In the the final gives you double points. Okay. So um, the the in the premier sky race you get like 100 points if you're first place, 80 if you're second, like what Danny Danny just said. And in the final you get double. So you still have like a chance. Like even if right now I'm in fourth, I mean Clementine would have to get like seventh or something if I wanted to. <laughs> to win it right but like you can still have a chance there yeah okay that's really interesting so what are your goals for um sky masters and if it's not totally to win what like what are you going into kind of where's where's your head out head at yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) well like Honestly, right now I'm um, I'm feeling strong. Um, last year I had been struggling with anemia and like I have an autoimmune disease and I had been struggling with a lot of uh, pain from that. I have uh, spondyloarthritis, which is a kind of arthritis in the lower back and the, on the hips. And I had been in a lot of pain. Like when I met you, Danny, I was like in such, I could barely walk and it was horrible. So, but this year I've been feeling a lot better and I'm I, I feel really well. So I think... Uh, if I keep training and taking good care of my nutrition and not like fatiguing or anything, um, I, I would definitely love to podium at the Sky Masters final. And well, yeah, I think I think that would be like a cherry on top. <laughs> well, we believe in you and we're excited to see how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> Do you guys. know if uh, uh, Hillary and Marcella and like Lindsay Webster are going? Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's, everyone's going. (laughs) Love it. That is going to be such an incredible race. (laughs) And um, kind of just to, to take us to the end here, can you just, do you know that course at all? Have you raced at all? Yeah, actually in 2017, um, I like, I got this crazy idea to go do it. (laughs) And recently Skyrunning Instagram posted a video of Killian Jornet going like downhill insane on that course. And they put a little tag that said, uh, like if you came to do Limona Sky Race because you watched this video. And I was like, yeah, definitely. (laughs) That was was me. I saw that video of Killian going downhill like that. I was like, oh my God, I want to go do that. And 2017, I was like totally not in shape but like um 
I raced it and it was a brutal and beautiful course. Like it's, it's so beautiful. Um, uh, so I kind of know the course and I'm excited to now that I'm in a completely different stage of my life, could just go race, actually race it. <laughs> I'm going to have awesome. to link that video, I feel like, so that yeah. other people feel uh, <laughs> the same, like they angst. watch it. <laughs> it's it's insane. <laughs> it's like he's going down a flat road and it's like this technical, like a red thing. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. The things Killian does is, as we all know, are just insane. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but the same with Karina. I see down yes. the videos of Karina. I'm like, wow, that is insanely amazing. <laughs> Yeah, I think it was the race that you most recently kind of posted about, like, it looked like you were literally just throwing yourself down this <laughs> scree field. And these men are like holding on to ropes and you're having to get around them. So you just like bound past <laughs> yeah. them. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. Incredible. yeah, and I'm so little and it's like, it's really funny to watch. <laughs> I know yeah. sometimes I want them to like, I don't know if it's like, I think it's a drone most of the time because you guys are so high. I want the drone yeah. to wrap around you guys sometimes to also show you know the other side of what it is that you're on because they're like what they're seeing exactly yeah Um, that would be great that'd be great yeah well yeah when I got to that screen I was like whoa okay (laughs) 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 I remember before the race I watched I was looking at the Strava course like on Strava the course and the different segments and there was a segment that just said crazy downhill and I (laughs) thought it was this one and it was like a negative 90% incline I was like what like no way (laughs) and when I got there I was like oh Okay, yeah, it literally is jumping off of like this thing. <laughs> oh my god, that's literally my nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you you made it look graceful and yeah. fun. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, well, Karina, it has been an absolute pleasure having you here today. Um, any final thoughts, thank yous, etc. Well, no, thank you guys for making this wonderful podcast. I love listening to it. I think also it's been a pleasure being here. Your questions have been amazing and your comments and everything. I feel like it's been a really fun and enlightening conversation. So thank thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, if you don't follow Karina on Instagram, go give her a follow. We'll uh, put a handful of things in the show notes this time around. And um, yeah, we can't wait to see you at Skymasters. Yes, good luck. Thanks. Yeah, well, thanks and good luck to you guys and all of your projects as well. (laughs) Thank you. This has been the Sub Hub. Brought to you by Free Trail. Brought to you by Free Trail. (laughs) Just a reminder for you guys that this episode is brought to you by Never Second. Check out the show notes for a link to their website, their Instagram page, and use code SUBHUB25 at checkout to get 25% off of your purchase. That's SUBHUB25. (laughs) 